This is Wade Lee. Peter Lawler has taught us all something today. Bulldog Rays just got home. Channel 1631 on the Samsung TV for Cricket Gold. That's just what a discovery that's going to be. Oh, there's a... Uh, I can understand watching old footy matches, Jared, but old cricket matches? Oh, no. One of the great discoveries of COVID was old cricket matches are way better than old footy matches to watch, I think. And Fox's minis of the World Series Cup. But if there's more to be had on that front, I'm totally up for that. I thought I'd save our next McCafe coffee catch-up, 30 Days, 30 Deals, is back at Macca's with Malcolm Speed for this week for the climax of, of a World Cup. Malcolm runs our governance portfolio. He is the godfather of sports administrators, and this is particularly timely on a number of fronts. Malcolm, it's great to see you. Uh, great to be here, Jared. Patrick Smith was the scourge of sports administrators, I reckon, from various times. It would have been a frightening place to be in his crosshairs. Did you cross paths with Patrick a bit? Yes, I did, uh, Patrick. And my early days were in basketball with uh, as chairman of the NBL, and Patrick was a big basketball fan, a big Andrew Gaze fan, and he, he went to every Melbourne Tigers game, and I saw him there, and I knew him from somewhere back in the dark ages, but uh, Patrick and Greg Baum and Martin Blake, they were the basketball writers, and Mike Horan and Steve Howes, they were a good group, and uh, Patrick had a column on the back of the Sunday Age at that stage, the whole of the back page, and, and he'd snipe, every article was sniping at someone or other, and, and there was always a sports administrator, and I got my fair share with the NBL, and uh, it wasn't much you could do about it. You just had to wear it. But I had a chance to get even. Uh, I, I was asked to speak at a Vic Sport lunch for 200 sports administrators, and I decided I would speak in defence of the sports administrator. So <laughs> I had all these statistics about how great Australian sport was and, and uh, how we're overachieving and 50% of our first choice athletes played AFL football and didn't even compete on the international stage and whatever. And I focused it on, I, I, my, when I, I wrote it, I, I started by saying, uh, uh, we, we're going to uh, focus on a journalist here. We won't know him, but I'll call him Psychiatric Patrick. <laughs> and, and it was a clear broadside back at Patrick. And every now and then in the speech, I'd say, and what do you think about that, Psychiatric Patrick? <laughs> and uh, so I wrote it. Uh, I, I was all set to go. I woke up uh, the morning of the speech. I read it again and I thought... Uh, I'm not sure that psychiatric Patrick's going to work with Patrick, so <laughs> it became unhappy Patrick, and uh, uh, I delivered the speech. Patrick heard about it. He was unhappy to be called unhappy <laughs> Patrick, but at least I didn't get sued, Jared. And he, he was a legend. He was fantastic. He, he, was, he got right to the heart of the issue, uh, and uh, he terrorised sports administrators, but uh, you need a thick skin to be a sports administrator, and part of developing the thick skin was living through Patrick's uh, diatribes on the back page of the Sunday Age. It was a Hazing from Patrick Smith. Yes. Uh, so I thought we would deliberately choose today is the form of cricket that has been, um, that is least sure of itself is 50 over cricket and its place. And yet the World Cup, I think, still stands as a, a beacon. I think it's still the pinnacle tournament. I'm so curious as you've watched the phases of evolution in the forms of, of cricket. How's this World Cup been, do you think? Uh, this World Cup has been very good. Uh, I, I uh, as chief executive of the ICC uh, or Cricket Australia, I, I uh, lived through the 99 World Cup. I was at Edgbaston for that match there, the most amazing cricket match I've ever seen. I was down in the rooms immediately after the match there and there, there was shock. The Australian team was shocked. It was just, it was so such a vibrant, uh, unexpected, uh, exciting win. It was, it was an amazing experience to be down there. 
2003 in South Africa is the first one I was uh, responsible for. That was an unmitigated disaster from start to finish. And you judge a World Cup as, administ- as an administrator on, on the quality of the competition, uh, on whether you are able to deliver your contractual obligations. And that, that was the first World Cup uh, under a new uh, media rights deal. Uh, it was uh, about $150 million worth. Uh, we'd, we'd, we'd been paid $150 million to run it. At the end of it, uh, Broadcaster, which was a News Limited uh, uh, affiliate, sued uh, ICC for $55 million US. Uh, because there'd been all sorts of issues. England had uh, refused to play in Zimbabwe because of a half-baked death threat. Uh, Ke- uh, New Zealand had refused to play in Kenya. Uh, there was lots of ambush marketing from India with Pepsi and the Indian players. Everything that Shane Warne was, um, this didn't result in any damages, but Shane Warne, as we know, uh, was sent home with his uh, his uh, doping violation uh, Johnny Rhodes, uh, the, the premier fieldsman in the uh, event, uh, didn't play at all. South Africa bombed out earlier, then England bombed out. Um, it was saved to an extent by the Australia-India final and Ricky Ponting's outstanding 140. So uh, we ended up, we settled the 55 million for 7 million, but it was still, from for me, it was a, uh, one of those events where I was, I was very pleased it was over. Yep, um, yep. Then we went to the West Indies, and and that's uh, that that was uh, that was unusual. It was played in eight venues. The West Indies consists of thirteen third world countries with a population of six million, so it, it's pretty sparse. Uh, that again was a disaster. It started with uh, we had a format sixteen teams. Uh, it, it was all focused on the last eight. In fact, one match that uh, in that was expected in the last eight was India versus Pakistan in uh, Barbados. It sold out in a flash. People were coming in cruise ships, so American Indians were coming. And so, sorry, Indian-born, uh, Indian-Americans, not not the, uh, yes, yep. the, the Indians from India, let's yes, put it that yep. way, Jared, were coming in cruise ships. They were flying in. Everything was booked. Hotels were booked. Everything was booked. India bombed out in the first round. They lost to Sri Lanka. Uh, they then lost to... Uh, Bangladesh. They'd beaten Bangladesh 49 out of 50 times when they'd played them in one-day matches. They went home after two matches. Oh, my goodness. Pakistan lost to Ireland. <laughs> uh, and and uh, then I can't remember who beat them, whether it was West Indies or uh, Zimbabwe. West Indies beat them. In fact, they went home. And that match became something like Bangladesh versus Ireland instead of pa- India versus Pakistan. The Pakistan poach, coach Bob Woolmer died. Yeah. Massive, uh, massive drama. Uh, all sort of media came from everywhere. After Pakistan had lost to Ireland, Bob collapsed in his hotel room and tragically died. Uh, the New York Times read an article that it was the, the uh, match-fixing mafia had killed him. Another article had him dying from being poisoned with snake venom. It was amazing. They came from everywhere. There were pushes to cancel the World Cup because uh, Bob had died so tragically. Uh, and that was all in the first week. Wow. Then West Indies bombed out. Uh, England bombed out, uh, and uh, we we limped through the last eight. Uh, had a, quite a good final, Australia versus Sri Lanka. They were the best two teams. Australia won, uh, and the the uh, with the the final with about three overs to go, Australia well on top. Uh, the umpires decided that they should go off and come back the next day. That Rudy Kurtz, who's a very fine umpire, mucked up one of the rules. Yep. They, they went off. Uh, 
eventually they came back. The match was finished in darkness. I was doing the presentation. I got well and truly booed and I probably deserved it, Jared. But <laughs> again, I was happy that World Cup was over. Yes. Uh, so there's a lot that can go wrong. There's a lot that, well, whatever could go wrong in the West Indies went wrong. Yep. And uh, the, the, it, it was, uh, I, I regard it as the event from hell. It, it just w- went on and on. It was It was too long. Once uh, England uh, bombed out there, journalists criticised the event, the West Indies. Uh, it was being criticised left, right and centre. There were very few good feet. It was supposed to be a good news story. Cricket goes to the West Indies. Yep. Eight venues built uh, in strange circumstances. These venues had popped up. Uh, but it turned out to be uh, an unmitigated disaster. So just before so we this, leave that this, one, yeah, mm. um, in the Bob Woolmer circumstance, what was the information flow to you, like, as the conspiracy th- theories not only swirled but got published? Uh, information flow was pretty good from the police. Yep. Uh, the police were all over it but uh, made a mess of it in the end. Uh, uh, a year later, there was an inquest that went for a month and there were all sorts of... Uh, the, the police just made a mess of that. The autopsy that, that had been poorly performed, it was... It's... it's uh, uh, just from start to finish, it, it was poorly handled. Information flow was good. Uh, I was in Jamaica at the time where it happened, so so uh, I, I was I was right in the mix of it. So, did you uh, ever have cause to fear that the that he had been murdered, or did you have information right from the start that that's not what that was? Uh, the police were suspicious, and I, I remember sitting through a bizarre circumstance there where the Pakistan team. Uh, uh, they were very upset at Bob's uh, passing, as as you would imagine, and they were required to undergo DNA testing for exclusion purposes oh, before wow. they were allowed to leave Jamaica. And yeah. one of the players, I can't remember who it was, but a hard-bitten old one of their older batsmen, who's a terrific player. If I saw the list of names, I'd remember it. He refused to do the DNA test. He was he wasn't a suspect. This was insulting. This and there was serious drama between Pakistan and the, the police. I was at the meeting where they were asking them to do it. Uh, it. It was it was highly unusual. Nobody knew quite what had happened. But as it unpacked, it became increasingly clear Bob had serious health issues. Uh, and the way he'd he'd been found in his uh, his hotel room, he was he was collapsed uh, in the uh, in the, the toilet of the bathroom. There was no way anyone could have got into the room without disturbing his body, uh, so or got out of the room without disturbing his body. But despite that, there was all this confusion and uh, um, drama about it. Uh, uh, journalists came from everywhere. I've never seen anything yeah. like it. We had a, a press conference there in Jamaica where. Uh, a press room was absolutely packed with journalists from places we'd never seen before. We'd never heard of them before. It was huge drama. Yeah. And that's the sort of thing that throws a World Cup off its axis, uh, as well as losing your, be- the, your your most popular teams, the teams that are going to generate the the uh, the media coverage. And bear in mind, West Indies is, is a very difficult time zone to broadcast from, so you're, you're broadcasting to most places in the middle of the night. You lose your best pulling teams and uh, the broadcasters, the sponsors, everyone's very unhappy about it. So the the biggest problems this World Cup has had is it was organised in a manner which precluded travelling fans, which has been one of the great pities. It looks like it's been staged in India, by India, for India, and that's not quite the spirit of the World Cup. Not quite, but uh, 
I was, I'm not surprised to see some relatively empty venues for World Cup matches. That always happens. There, there are matches that are that aren't popular. What we've seen in India, though, is I think as they've gone around to the different cities, we've seen different aspects of India, different pitches, uh, different uh, uh, climate, uh, and lots of lots of Indians turning up to support one or other of the teams. Lots of Indians wearing Australian shirts. Mm. I might add. I, I'm not sure where they're buying them. I suspect they're out in the bazaars and they're uh, they're not authorised uh, <laughs> uh, merchandise, but there are lots of Indians wearing them. So has it has it enshrined the World Cup's place in cricket, or do you, does that remain vulnerable? Evidently, that's the source of much discussion behind closed doors and in the immediate aftermath for administrators around the world. Jared, I, th- I think it has. Uh, it, I'm not sure it's enshrined it, but it's uh, it's certainly boosted its its role in the 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 cricket ecosystem. And um, if if we go back, if we take a long term view of uh, of cricket, going back a uh, hundred years, uh, uh, cricket invented for 150 years, cricket invented for betting, uh, uh, the development of the five day game, the development of Test cricket, some one day formats, uh, one day cricket emerging in the 70s. Uh, the World Cup being played in the 70s and World Series cricket promoting it, that sort of thing. When I started in 1997, uh, the, the dogma at the time was one day cricket was uh, cannibalising test cricket. And Mike Coward, who's a very fine writer, he, he, he wrote that often. He was very concerned about that. Uh, and, and there was a good balance there over those years between one day cricket, particularly the World Cup and test cricket. And if we go back into the, say, from the the 90s onwards, uh, there were good series in Australia here. And the feature of one-day cricket is you only get one game in your city. So if you live in Adelaide, you get one game, usually uh, recently on Australia Day. If you live in uh, Perth, you get one game. If you live in Brisbane, you get one game. So you either, if you want to see one-day cricket, that's when you go. Uh, It worked well for the broadcasters. So 2020 emerges in 2008. The IPL uh, comes along at that stage. There's lots of interest in the IPL and uh, lots of uh, lots of dollars uh, in in the IPL. Huge uh, um, uh, in Indian uh, investors there, uh, and this this uh, now we see the development of franchise cricket with the same people owning their franchises, and uh, lots of interest in. 2020 cricket players. So we we hear of players who are are going to uh, opt out of the regular uh, schedule, playing for their country and and go on the the IPL circuit. Now that may happen. And and if you look at that uh, uh, cricket over that period, there've been lots of dramas, lots of different uh, issues that have occurred there. Uh, I I think that would be sad if, if we lost some of the Top players. I think what it's going, what we're going to see is players like David Warner will go onto the circuit. Um, Tim David is an interesting example of a, a young player who's never really played much of the established uh, series, but uh, uh, schedule. He he's uh, he, he became a, a 2020 sensation, but uh, he seems to have gone off the boil a bit. We look at Cam Smith. Uh, Cameron Green, I'm sorry, I've got my sports mixed up. Uh, Cameron Green, Marcus Stoinis, perhaps their 2020 shares have gone down a bit as a result of this World Cup. Others, uh, others, uh, their, their, uh, um, Glenn Maxwell, his uh, his price will have boomed enormously yeah. over playing in the 50-over game for the 20-over game. But 
what's happened with this Ashes series, so I think it's it's a bit of a double whammy this year. The Ashes series followed by, uh, so a great Ashes series followed by a great World Cup. We've started to think, well, perhaps we, we need to be careful about where 2020 fits in. The administrators have done two things. They've said for future franchise uh, uh, events, so anything that comes in the future, there will be no more than four foreign players allowed on the, the ground at any one time. Uh, I think that's too little too late. They should have done that uh, earlier. Uh, we see the UAE uh, League, which has an, up to nine foreign players on the field at any one time. The USA uh, franchise, up to six foreign players on the ground at any one time. The boards are now contracting their players for longer periods of time, and, and we see some Australian players receiving three-year contracts. They're very well paid now, and that's the difference from, from when I started. The, you, you might recall in, in the 90s, the players complained a lot about how little they were played. State players were paid uh, uh, very, very little. Uh, uh, international players were paid more. There was an outcry then that there was too much cricket, uh, that uh, test and one-day uh, cricket, there was too much cricket. Uh, but the players wanted then, they wanted to top it up and go off and play county cricket on top of that. So uh, uh, that's not a new argument. Uh, where it will end, uh, I, I think, is it's uh, if if we regard uh, the path of a sport as a continuum. Yes, twenty twenty will continue to grow, and it will continue to marginalise fifty over cricket and Test cricket to an extent. But I'm very hopeful. I think that that fifty over cricket and Test cricket will 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 hold their place, and it will be a significant place. Malcolm Speed is in the studio. It's our McCafe Coffee Catch-Up. 30 Days, 30 Deals is back at Macca's. We'll continue on in a moment. Melbourne's weather, 13 degrees. Possible light shower, a top of 17 for city power, supply and power to homes in the CBD and inner suburbs. Now, back to Waitley. You could listen to Malcolm Speed stories all day, and I'm not alone there. Our McCafe Coffee Catch-Up, barista-made ice-cold drive through for your iced coffee favourites at McCafe. Just a little sketch here, Malcolm. What's happening with Sri Lankan cricket? Is that cause for major concern or is this a bit of history repeating? There's some history repeating here, Jared, where uh, the uh, government has uh, sacked the cricket board. ICC has then suspended uh, the cricket board because of government interference. It's happened two or three times in my time in cricket. I think it'll sort itself out. There'll be a new board appointed by the government. They will then be uh, affiliated with the ICC. It's it's uh, it's unfortunate, uh, but uh, it's not new. Afghanistan has been the delight of this World Cup and they are making the stretch. They're no longer minnows and they'll be a serious mainstream white ball team shortly. Um, you made the case with us right at the peak of the controversy as to why nations needed to play Afghanistan. I'm so curious as to how you've seen this unfold at the World Cup and, and what it might mean going forward, given that it's complicated. Yes, uh, it is complicated and uh, it's been great to see Afghanistan do do so well. Uh, I think we also need to recognise that Afghanistan and the Netherlands qualified for this event by pushing out uh, uh, West Indies and Zimbabwe. So so they've moved up the pecking order a bit there. Uh, I think we'll see uh, other nations taking Afghanistan more seriously. They'll be playing 
tests. Uh, not, I doubt if they'll be playing test matches in Afghanistan, although I did read about a new venue that's being built in the south of Afghanistan. Uh, I read that recently, so we'll wait and see what happens there. But it'd be great, and I, I argued for this last year, it'd be great to see Australia play test cricket against Afghanistan, to play one-day cricket, to play uh, 2020 cricket in Australia. I think that'll happen uh, shortly. Uh, it, it gets messy when we political in, uh, considerations come come into it. We start talking about the Taliban's attitude to women and this sort of thing. And I see Cricket Australia has been uh, accused of a double standard by playing against Afghanistan in the World Cup but not playing against them here. But I'd like to see it as a watershed moment for Afghanistan. They play a different form of cricket, don't they? It's a, it's a really interesting uh, way they play the game. It's great to see their spin bowlers and uh, uh, it'd be good to see them play here more. Cricket at the Olympics. So does this have its genesis back in your day? It does, Jared. strangely enough. Um, uh, I had uh, two parts in that. When I started at ICC, there, there was... Cricket had just been in the Commonwealth Games in 1998. Uh, I started at ICC in 2001. There was discussion about it getting into the Olympics. There was absolutely no interest from the major countries, including Australia at that stage. Uh, I, I took the first step where cricket had to be recognised by the General Assembly of International Sporting Federations. Cricket hadn't been recognised, so I went to a meeting in Geneva. I remember on one side I had, uh, cheer, it was in alphabetical order, so cheerleading was on one side, it was a sport, and croquet was on the other side, it was a sport. <laughs> And I had to stand up before this organisation of about, I think, 150 sports and argue that cricket uh, should be added as a member. So I did that and, and it was it was very strange. No technology in those days. Each person had two bats, table tennis bats in front of them in French. We oui on one side, non on the other. And if you voted in favour, you held up yes. If you voted against, you held up no. So we got in. About two years later, I went to an IOC meeting in uh, Colorado Springs in the US where uh, we applied for cricket to be admitted as a non-playing member of the IOC. Now, that had some advantages for some of our countries. They could get funding through their Olympic Federation. It didn't affect uh, the major countries, but that was that was the forebear. That was the, 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 the early steps of cricket coming into it. So I had a good look at... Uh, at the IOC and its uh, its meeting structures and whatever, I think it will be if we if we go back to that uh, the, the the continuum running through through sport there. The the argument against it and it's been a powerful argument is what what cricket doesn't need the Olympics. Uh, uh, we see in the IPL, for instance, every uh, every match uh, generates twenty million in TV rights. So we're going to go to the Olympics and play a lot of of. Uh, 2020 matches in the Olympics and the IOC will get all those TV rights. Cricket will get nothing. So what's in it for cricket? So I think it's uh, it's probably what's in it for cricket is just the wider exposure of the Olympics. Uh, I think uh, the players will enjoy it. I think it will introduce new markets to cricket. It's important for the USA uh, that it be uh, that cricket be exposed in the USA. Uh, so yes, there are some positives. Uh, and uh, I think it'll make uh, it'll be great sport in the Olympics, men and women playing 2020. I see they're only going to have six teams, so yeah. there'll be a difficult qualification. Uh, let's hope that 
the the countries with uh, the, the big TV audiences can 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 be there and uh, uh, start the Olympics with a bang. It's Cricket was in the Olympics in 1900, so it's been a long time since yeah. uh, since it was last in. The, the cynical view is that this is the IOC wants to crack India and its its TV rights and its wealth there. Um, is that it? Probably, Jared. If we, if, yeah. we, if we had more time, I'd tell you a story about uh, India and the Olympics, but perhaps next time. But, All right. Uh, uh, that, that's part of it. The IOC is keen on it, but uh, cricket didn't have to agree to it. And, and in the past, when there have been overtures uh, from the IOC, cricket have just rejected it out of hand. And I can recall sitting at meetings of the ICC board and running it up the flagpole. Uh, now, pretty good argument. Do we want to, uh, sh- should we, we be approaching the IOC to come into the Olympics? And 15 years ago, there was no appetite for it whatsoever. So things have changed. That appetite is there from cricket. Uh, so uh, if there's some cynicism from the IOC and, and it creates a a bonanza for the IOC, uh, that's something cricket has to wear. All right, I've got one more for you, Malcolm, after Nathan in the newsroom. All right, last one, Malcolm. I've been transfixed by Rugby Australia and Eddie Jones. I don't know to what level you've followed this, but do you have any takeouts? Do you have any lessons learnt from this? Jared, it was different, wasn't it? Uh, you and I have talked about the... Uh, the difficulty in uh, with AFL coaches, how, how clubs don't seem to be able to get that right, the transition from, from one coach to the next. Now, rugby seemed to uh, rug, uh, put a, a different spin on that, didn't they? They, uh, they bombed out. Uh, there were lots of, uh, lots of stories about Eddie Jones talking to Japan very early into his contract. Uh, he had the full support of the board there, I saw uh, a couple of times, and then he resigned. So uh, it, it was different. Uh, it was it was it was ugly. Uh, rugby is struggling at the moment. If we talk about yep. that continuum of a sport, uh, continuum of a sport, rugby is uh, is down. Rugby league, its arch uh, rival, is uh, is very strong at the moment. The other sports have left rugby uh, behind. So they need to regroup. Uh, the, 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 they need uh, there is good support in Australia for for rugby, but uh, it's diminishing. So they need to regroup. They need to to start again, put a new coach in there, work on their grassroots. There's talk about all of that, but uh, they're in for difficult times. If you'd chosen the coach as the messiah as the chairman and your captain's pick, it would be a little unnerving to find out that he'd had an interview with Japan behind your back, I think. I think it would be more than unnerving, uh, but it's the uh, administrator's dilemma. What do you do about that when, when you're in the middle of a World Cup uh, your team's performing badly. Uh, the media's all over it. Uh, do, do you come out and have a sort of a public flogging uh, and, and move him on? Uh, or do you go down a different path? And uh, rugby went down a different path. What would I have done? Who knows? Uh, but uh, I'm very glad I wasn't in that situation, Jared. I've had my uh, my fair share of uh, difficult moments. Malcolm, it's lovely to relive some of them with you. Thank you. Thanks, Jared. Good to see you again. Malcolm Speed runs our governance portfolio. He is the godfather of sports administration in this country. Waitley for the all-new Hyundai Kona, Imagine to be Bold and Host Plus.